Pros in the know start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, pros save on tools they rely on to get the job done. Now get up to 35% off select DeWalt power tools and accessories, including the DeWalt 10-tool 20-volt cordless combo kit, now $529. That's $320 off. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. DeWalt offer valid through 11-4. While supplies last, credit offer subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply U.S. only. Hello there, and welcome to the first episode of the Bird Gang Blitz. I'm your co-host, Blake Murphy. You can follow me on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. I'm joined today by my co-host, the venerable John Venerable, also known as at Johnny's Football. And we decided we wanted to get together and start a podcast to talk about the Cardinals, the NFL draft, reviewing the season, and just kind of take a look at the present and the future. So that's kind of the quick 30-second elevator pitch for that. Uh, We're hoping to offer eventually two shows a week during the season. First show will kind of recap the game. The second show will be more of a draft and long-term focus. We'll get into a little bit of college football, uh, talk a little bit about the future of some of the Cardinals players who could replace them, and overall just kind of about Steve Kime. We'll be looking at that from a a draft perspective. So uh, without further ado, Johnny, how are you doing, sir? And what are your thoughts on the first two games we have of the Cardinals season, which, let's be honest, are a little bit not quite living up to expectations? Yeah, you know what? The season... Yeah, the season couldn't have started with with any more promise in terms of uh, internally. I think this team thought it had solved a lot of what plagued them a year ago. From a national perspective, I think this this was a team that most thought would be somewhere around the eight and eight mark to to potentially a wild card team. Didn't see them overtaking the Seahawks, especially after the the Sheldon Richardson um, move. But you know, you talk about a game in which you know everything that that could go wrong did, and the fact that it had been several years since the, the Cardinals had suffered a defeat at the hands of the Lions. I think Matthew Stafford was um, had never beaten the Cardinals before, and so you, the Cardinals were actually a favorite going into that game, and uh, everything just kind of unraveled after after the first couple series for them offensively. They just looked so out of sync, uh, which is quite the contrary, because Carson looked great in the preseason. I think a lot of us were thinking that maybe his new offseason regiment with, with the lack of throwing was helping, uh, because in comparison to his preseason in 2016, he looked much more fresh. I thought his throws were great. I thought the third preseason game, he looked incredibly sharp, and it was just the complete opposite. You talk about a Detroit defense that uh, is pretty average in their front seven outside of the Yancey, and they were getting consistent pressure on an offensive line that looks much of the same last year. And then with, with Humphreys going down and, of course, the big blow to David Johnson, it was just kind of a nightmare scenario. Yeah, I totally agree that when you talk about starting off the season, coming in, it looked like the team was uh, healthy for the first time in a long time. And you started to see guys dropping like flies and old issues seeming to come back with the potty injury, John Brown still being out. Um, I'll, I'll move on a little bit to the Colts game uh, as far as for just taking a look at how so many people projected that the Cardinals were going to come into Indy and just kind of jack stomp the, the Colts. And that didn't happen at all. In fact, they were down just from the very get-go, it seemed. And it took them up until the fourth quarter before they were able to compose themselves and rally back. And just seeing the way that Carson Palmer has played over the last two weeks when he's been outplayed by just like the these quarterbacks who are bad, he's got a worse quarterback rating than guys like Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and even Mike Glennon, who Cal, uh, uh, Chicago Bears fans have been begging for him to get benched. Just seeing that and how Palmer's play has affected the whole team where it's just not exactly the start that you've wanted and it's not the start that people envisioned. But this is kind of where we are now, and this is kind of where the Cardinals dealt their lot by 
not really having that much depth on the offensive line by trusting older veterans, not really addressing the number two wide receiver position outside of John Brown. Well, I, I think they really did a detriment to the roster by not investing in a quarterback of the future in the in the previous two or three drafts. Uh, you remember when Kime and Aarons took over, Kime specifically stated that he'd like to take a quarterback every year. So far he's taken one in Logan Thomas in, in 2014, and he was with the team all of one season. Um, but, yeah, you look at where this team was. This was a very fragile team. You're relying on a quarterback who is probably the most immobile quarterback in the National Football League at, at 38 years old. Uh, I know he had a nice second half of, of the 2016 season, but, again, often injured. Uh, the offensive line, you, you don't see a lot of major upgrades uh, on that unit. You're hoping for some of the guys to develop, like a DJ Humphreys, like an Evan Bame. Um, but you know what you have with Mike Alupati on the downside of, of his career, asking Jared Bildy to play a new position at right tackle. Uh, you didn't upgrade your receiving core in the sense that Larry Fitzgerald's a year older and, and pending retirement. John Brown, you would hope, uh, at some point gets healthy this year and had a nice training camp, but, again, can't shake the injury bug, and, and who knows if that's the cause of some underlying health issues like the sickle cell. J.J. Uh, Nelson is a, is a quality backup, potentially maybe a number, a, you know, a low-end number two receiver, but nobody who's, who's ready to scare defenses week in and week out. So uh, all, the, all the resources this team continues to make uh, goes on the defensive side, and, and that's great, but you had a top-ten defense last year. What you had was an offense that was greatly missing on some key superstar playmakers outside of David Johnson, and they just completely whiffed uh, on, on adding those kind of guys. And so what you have is now you've got an old quarterback who can't move and suddenly doesn't have his best player at running back. And that's really what Steve Kine made the choice to invest in the defense, rebuilding a uh, down defense that really struggled at times last year. You saw the guys like Marcus Cooper, Kevin Minter, uh, even Calais Campbell, obviously, is the biggest name. All those guys left and walked away. So you saw him really devote the time and attention to um, trying to add playmakers in that defense, which the good news, at least for some Cardinals fans, even though it all seems really down to that, Tom Reddick has looked spectacular so far in his first week. And Buda Baker was a playmaker last week on uh, special teams and even got in some of the snaps as far as when the Colts split out wide. But when you're looking at how poorly the offense is made, the fact that Kime chose to kind of keep the defense rolling and trust that the offense would be is really starting to bite the Cardinals in the butt. They just really have not been able to run the football. Um, they've not been able to really even pass the football effectively. Um, the deep game especially, it seems like right now when you're looking at the Cardinals' offense, they don't really have an identity outside of J.J. Nelson right now. They did, originally it was going through David Johnson. It's going through Larry Fitzgerald. It's going through John Brown. And then it was having Jermaine Gresham as kind of that um, that fourth option in the middle of the field. And right now they really have not been able to get anything out of it. Even Fitzgerald has had several drops and just not looked effective at all um, compared to how he was last year. So the Cardinals are just in a world of hurt right now. And it's tough because you can look at the draft and say there's an opportunity cost. Whenever you draft on defense, you're ignoring on offense. But when you're talking about the defense, it really doesn't seem like that the, the investment that the Cardinals have made on defense has really been worth what the price of having that quarterback on the roster would have been. And that's, I think, the big question that uh, leads into the next topic is, is what does kind of the future hold for the quarterback position? I mean, there's people already talking about benching Palmer. I think that's clearly either an overreaction, especially considering how Drew Stanton is not meant to be that guy who will start playing and competing and will pass down for, like, carrying the team the rest of the year because Palmer's not doing well. And then with Blaine Gabbert, you just don't see a guy who, if you're going to take him from a team and try to take him – 
and put him on the Cardinals to sit for a year to learn the offense, not take the hits behind the bat offensive line, try to develop him, whether that's for a backup or being a stopgap guy uh, in case you end up running out of options. It doesn't make any sense to me to basically then put him into that same poor situation that he's just come out of. So you're kind of at this point married to Palmer, and chose to be married to Palmer, and you're kind of paying the price a little bit for it if this continues to be the Carson Palmer we see the whole season long. Yeah, uh, terrific points all around, Blake. And, you know, I would add to that that um, what you have with Blake, yeah, Blaine Gabbert is you have hopefully a Drew Stanton for the next three to four years, assuming Bruce Aarons is going to be your head coach. You have somebody who can come in win you a handful of games if the rest of the roster is steady, especially on, on the defensive end, like you saw in 2014 when Stanton came in and went 5-2 and two and helped lead the Cardinals to the playoffs. But, but that's all you're going to get at that point. Anybody who thinks that, that Blaine could come in now and turn the Cardinals' season around is just lunacy. The, the only area in which he probably has on Palmer right now is his mobility and then probably has a little bit better arm strength, but has never shown to be a precision passer, has made – uh, mind-boggling decisions um, from an interception standpoint over his career, and just you know doesn't have the, the depth and the experience that Carson has. Granted, Carson's skills have clearly eroded, um, so I don't expect Carson or Drew Stanton to be on this team next year. And quite frankly, this could be it for Blaine as well if Arians decides to hang it up, which a lot of people are speculating that could be the case. Um, but in terms of the future of the quarterback position, uh, I think that based on how strong this quarterback class is supposed to be in 2018, you know, I've got probably six guys I think could go in the top 50 right now. uh, And then especially three or four in the top 10 uh, based on what they're doing early on this this season in college football. uh, I think it would be a detriment to this franchise to not pull the trigger. Now, with that being said, if this team plays around 500 for most of the season, they're not going to be able to get one of those top tier quarterbacks, because of the fact that teams like the Buffalo Bills, teams like the New York Jets, teams like the San Francisco 49ers figure to be picking in front of them. And on top of that, and I know people want to talk about the Cardinals' plethora of comp picks, they don't have anything in terms of the, the, the draft value or the draft haul that some of these teams have in terms of picks next year. These teams have been stockpiling picks to move up for a quarterback in the 2018 draft. So the only way the Cardinals are getting Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, um, Lamar Jackson, uh, assuming that you know he tests well and everybody is, thinks that he could be a franchise quarterback, a kid from Wyoming, maybe a Luke Falk, is if they were to be a poor enough team where they can get him in their original draft slot. I can't see them having the ammunition to trade up unless they want to gut their draft for the next four or five years. Um, so it's yeah. an unfortunate spot to be in. Yeah, I totally agree. I think last year at uh, pick number 13, there were fans who were crying out for uh, – looking at a Pat Mahomes, some are even looking at a Deshaun Kaiser, others are taking a look at a Deshaun Watson, or depending on how the late rounds went, some people wondered if Mitch Trubisky was the guy who was going to be there at 13, and it turned out that three of the quarterbacks all went before the Cardinals picked at 13, and that wasn't considered a quarterback class that wasn't supposed to be as good as this one. Some teams, like the Buffalo Bills, punted on that class, just looking for um, this 2018 class to be kind of the time they choose our guys, so it's just kind of this Arizona, you, whenever you talk about tanking, it's something that the word doesn't really exist. I think it's Steve Kahn and Bruce Arian. And what, one thing that at least that's admirable about that is that it shows the culture change of the Arizona Cardinals. It shows that they're at least committed to winning. But then the question you have to look at is just how lucky you have to be in the NFL to be able to find one of those franchise quarterbacks. Uh, the fact that the Colts basically end up having the one of the worst seasons they've ever had, the exact year that 
Andrew Luck happened to be the number one pick available back in the Buccaneers, ended up looking like a promising team that would make the playoffs. And then they decided to supplement that with Josh McCown and Mike Glennon led them to a 1-15 record. And then they got Jameis Winston. It's just kind of one of those areas where you never know when you're going to end up having one of those down seasons. But there's always the possibility that you end up having to have that in the wrong year. Right now we've seen it with this quarterback class. That it looks like it's going to be much improved, but there's still never a guarantee for how it works out. Like Lamar Jackson, a lot of people are looking at him as a potentially like improved passer as Michael Vick. Um, but there's still ultimately questions about not just durability, but you know, those questions about whether he can hit those uh, one-on-one routes to be accurate enough to be able to take advantage of one-on-one coverage. There's questions about Darnold's throwing motion and whether he'll even declare. And Josh Rosen has a whole lot of questions as well. So it's an area where you talk about being able to find that future guy, and so much of the factor comes into the situation that they'll have coming out. And that's kind of the biggest concern you could have as far as Arizona when you look at how their offensive line is structured and how much money they've paid to these aging vets and the fact that you really haven't gotten as much out of your first-round pick from D.J. Humphreys because he's barely seen the field. Uh, and Robert Kandichi is just only, after sitting for a whole year, is just kind of starting to make um, his first couple of plays. So you're just kind of talking about a Cardinals team that is really going to have to gut their entire offense and because of the way that they've been built trying to win now, you're really not going to see, as you said, the amount of resources um, that will be willing to commit. But it's going to come down ultimately to whether the Cardinals are going to have to pay that uh, pay that iron price that the Kansas City Chiefs paid this year. They moved up from pick 27 to pick number 10, cost them two first and a third, which if you're talking about the Cardinals, that's taking, you know, uh, Buda Baker and Hassan Reddick and potentially even Chad Williams off the field for you. Not to mention the fact that if you did decide to make that trade, I might even have to pay more if there's another team that was there. And when yeah. you start talking about those bidding wars, you just also have to worry about there's times you can have the Mark Sanchez's of the world or there's times when teams can trade up for that guy who can't miss prospect. And that's the whole thing where it comes down to is with the Cardinals is you want to make sure that you can have a sustainable situation for your future. And you also want to make sure that you're not, uh, if you are going to you know, roll the dice on a guy, you want to make sure that, it's going to be a guy who works out. There's so many quarterbacks who come out like a, the best example I can think of in recent years is a, you talk about a can't miss, um, totally not going to be worried about prospect and Andrew Luck. And when you talk about the production, Seattle Seahawks take Russell Wilson in the third round. And he's the one who's got the Super Bowl ring because he came into a team that had a strong offensive line, a lot of first round picks there, a strong running game. And they were able to put together an elite defense by just getting super lucky. The Cardinals well, are even I think the same path. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's about so, making sure you have that uh, that balance, I think, is all you're looking for as far as where. If you're going to talk about having to trade up for one of those guys, it really it's not going to be the best way to build your team. Now, if you're saying the Cardinals have the top five pick, well, that's going to put things, as you said, into a completely different place. Well, I, I agree with you in the sense that this team, in my opinion, cannot be major players for any of the free agent quarterbacks, assuming they hit the market, like a, a la Kirk Cousins next offseason and this is assuming Carson does retire, um, the way this team is going to have to operate in the next couple of years is they're going to have to find a cheap option at quarterback for four to five years through the draft because of the fact that Marcus Golden's going to be a free agent. He's going to demand big money. Dale Buchanan needs a new contract. Um, assuming, you know, whatever happens with John Brown, do you try to give him uh, a one- to two-year extension to get healthy? Uh, they've got a lot of impact defenders that they're going to have to pay and then you look at the offensive side of the ball, David Johnson's going to need a contract extension. So this team in my – and then you're going to have to probably reshape the offensive line of free agency 
because they've shown no ability to draft and develop an offensive lineman that you're going to have to overpay for somebody probably on the interior offensive line like you did with Ayupati just to make that, that unit serviceable. So, again, I think this team would have been better off passing on Hassan Reddick, trading up for Patrick Mahomes in this draft. That way, if this is a lost season and Carson Palmer has the eroding skills that he's shown so far and you're off to a 2-5, and five, a 3-7 and seven start, at least get Mahomes a couple snaps to have some momentum going into 2018, you can go through the entire offseason as the starter. Now you're probably going to be without it. Uh, 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 your quarterback, you're going to be without Larry Fitzgerald, the face of the franchise for the last decade and a half, and potentially without Bruce Arians, and you're not going to know who your starting quarterback is. This is going to be very similar to the offseason of 2012 to 2013, uh, even though I time will still obviously be here, but you're going to be looking for a head coach. You're going to be looking for a, a franchise quarterback, and where he comes from, I believe you've, you've kind of backed yourself in a corner. You're going to be like the Houston of last year where they went into the draft knowing we have to get somebody to take snaps for us because Tom Savage is not the answer, and they traded up for Deshaun Watson. Now, I didn't like him for the Cardinals. I don't think he's got an NFL arm, but at the same time, the teams are going to know, they knew this year, that the Cardinals are desperate for for the future. And I think it was just a huge mistake not investing resources and getting somebody to put behind Palmer. And, you know, we've we've talked about it before, Blake, that Arians has said a quality rookie quarterback will – probably reignite his love for the game will rejuvenate him to this to the point where maybe he'll coach a couple more years and he's got some reason for optimism you've got a young defense that hopefully should improve you've got david johnson and then what if you had patrick mahomes and and some you know secondary wide receivers you go in the offseason that's not terrible suddenly your offensive line doesn't look like a huge liability because of the fact that they can't pass protect for five seconds for for palmer and mahomes can scramble around and make plays i just I think that was a huge missed opportunity. I think it's going to be something that haunts this franchise going into next offseason to the point where I think that they'll probably make a play for a, a cheap veteran and, and give him the opportunity to win the job. They did with Drew Stanton, but then be aggressive in the draft, not show their hands and, and go get somebody. But, you know, looking at Arians and if he's gone, I know it's really early to speculate. You know, what does that next quarterback look like? What does this offensive system look like? We could have a completely different offensive system depending on – who takes the, the job, assuming that it's going to be an offensive coach. So, um, yeah, a lot of question marks with, you know, 14 games left in this regular season just shows you how in flux this team is. And I go back to the vulnerability uh, of this team before the season started. And you needed a lot of things to go right for this team to compete for a championship this year. And the fact that, you know, you lose David Johnson, he's a tremendous player. He's my favorite player on offense. I love to watch him every Sunday. But, you know, does a championship contender – go from, you know, a playoff team, solid playoff team to, you know, a, a team that's going to be picking in the top five to ten if they lose their star running back. How, how strong is the rest of that team if you lose David Johnson and suddenly you're, the, you're one of the worst teams in football? That doesn't say much about your team to begin with. So I, I don't buy that this team was ever a Super Bowl contender, and I think that that was time and Arians probably valuing their own players too much. Uh, and it's unfortunate because I think it's going to cost some people their jobs. Yeah, I would totally agree. And when you talk about talk about a team like the Chiefs and you look at how they've built their team up through the draft with young players, that's been a huge plus to be able to see how they're able to give up and acquire enough resources to be able to trade up for a Patrick Mahomes. And you're talking about the Cardinals with Bruce Arians and Steve Kine. They really just 
tribe and thought of them believed in their quarterback and they believed in their team and they believed in the veterans that they had and they just did not evaluate well and they haven't found they, they had the biggest trap which you can fall into in the NFL which is you trust aging veterans to kind of take care of your team and tie it over and you don't replace the talent that you lose and that's been the biggest area at least for the Cardinals there if some of their players had stepped up were able to see more of the guys like Kandichi uh, uh, being able to see signs from if DJ Humphreys had been able to come in as a the rookie tackle, or he'd been able to see more of uh, uh, John Brown. J.J. Nelson's been able to kind of develop somewhat, but this is still year three, and you're still talking about trying to find that guy to go opposite of Larry Fitzgerald for, it seems like, every single year since Anquan Bolden's left. Uh, there's just so much, at least with the Cardinals, where when, what, part of the reason we thought that there was such a perfect time to draft quarterback to trade up for one this year. And I think that with another part you can look at, too, is it wasn't maybe even just about paying the price for Mahomes, but the team decided to pass on to Sean Kaiser, a guy who really does fit Arian's scheme well uh, for a second-round pick, at least. Wouldn't have been that much of a, a flop if he does end up going down. And then that way you at least have one of those future guys on the roster to look at. Instead, they decided to go with uh, a guy like Blaine Gabbert. Uh, I know there's been some interest as far as for with Blake Bortles, it's been reported with the Cardinals and a lot of media are speculating that he might end up there still, but that's still just kind of trying to keep going through these reclamation projects. And sure, you can hit a, a Warner and a Palmer, but for every Warner or a Palmer you're going to hit, you're going to end up running into the guy. So I think the worst thing that, that could really happen with this Cardinals team is that if you look at Palmer and Fitzgerald leaving, there he decides that he wants to stay around with the to just kind of settle by trading for an Alex Smith type. There you're really just not going to end up seeing any type of improvement because you know already that you're kind of getting the same type of a quarterback where you're not going to get that superstar who's going to carry your team so much as just make sure you don't lose enough games. You'll probably still be in the playoffs, but it's more just kind of putting off the inevitable. I think that's kind of the big yeah. thing that Cardinals fans want to see is they want to see Kime and Arians be able to take that rookie quarterback to be able to go ahead and draft, develop, and be able to find that next um, franchise player because there is some upside for this team moving forward. You talk about Seattle with their offensive line being just like, a train wreck and look at how their defense is aging while well, Arizona keeps bringing in younger star players like Reddick, Baker, uh, Matthew and Peterson are still young. Chandler Jones is still quite young. Marcus Golden looks like he's going to be a, a star pass rusher for years. Uh, just with that linebacking core and Dale Buchanan is still, I believe, like not even 26 years old yet. So you're starting to talk about how this is a, a, a defense that has the core is young and the offense, which is exactly the opposite. And so that's part of where when you don't have that young quarterback on the roster, it just becomes really, really tough to be able to not only manage the cap, but to be able to see kind of a future for the team. And that's kind of the biggest area where your hope was that while Williams is here, he could find that young quarterback, be able to develop him, and be able to see the Cardinals turn into one of those teams like the Steelers and the Seahawks or just a team that was competing every year. So the fact that they haven't addressed it is just something where we'll have to see going forward because that is going to be the, the story of the season is, the Cardinals decided to address the holes that they had on defense, tried to compete, trusted Carson Palmer, and if it turns into a train wreck, which hasn't hit that point just yet, the Cowboys game will be the big determinant of that. If this is a team that will be, uh, you know, 8-8, eight and eight, if this is a team that will maybe try to scrape to that point and then hope that when David Johnson comes back, they'll be able to get it. Or if this is going to be one of those teams where you just get blown up by the Cowboys at home and you just start wondering just how many losses they're going to have. That's basically the biggest thing I think with Cardinals fans. Just they want to be able to have that knowledge of even if we aren't going to win this season out, we don't want to have to sacrifice our future to win now. And that's what the whole point of GMing is about. And that's a lot of I know what our discussions on this podcast will be about is just trying to look at things through 
a long-term lens of not just having to sacrifice or give up that future just for the cost of winning out. So far, what we've seen with Kyle and Arians, they've done kind of that exact opposite. Yeah, it, their their philosophy was very much of a win-now mindset. And it's frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of Cardinal fans uh, going into this season knowing that the team probably didn't have a great chance to compete for a championship from a sense that, you know, Seattle – reloaded on defense and it are presumably we're going to be better offensively. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. The Packers look like they're going to be a quality team. Again, the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, the Cardinals aren't in the tier of these teams and I don't think the case could be made that they were even before David Johnson's injury, which is the frustrating part. I think everybody kind of assumed that they would be, you know, a fringe playoff team. And so that makes it all the more maddening that they didn't, you know, invest some kind of a resource, a day two pick at least, on a quarterback that you could at least give a look at. You look at how, you know, Dallas Cowboys backed their way into a franchise quarterback, presumably presumably in Dak Prescott. Um, and the fact that the Cardinals worked out Deshaun Kaiser the week of the draft and flew Michael Bidwell out to see him in person, apparently we're not sold on him. And the Cleveland Browns are, are currently evaluating whether or not he can leave their franchise in the foreseeable future. But, it, you know, I look at where this team is right now and where it's been during the Kime era and Arians era, and this is a team built around defense and really, other than 2015, has underachieved offensively. Now, I know Carson Palmer was hurt in 2014, but 2013-2014 last year and this year, they've all been average to below average offensive teams. The best offensive team, obviously, was in 2015. Now, last year, I know that they were top 10 in offense, but, you know, Blake, you and I watched the games. That was not a quality offense for the majority of the year, especially uh, in the first half of their schedule, which contained a lot of playoff teams. They just they were not a consistent offensive team. The defense fell apart in the second half of the year based on you know how much they were being asked to play. But this has not been a top 10 consistent, you know, high-flying offense that I think a lot of the Cardinal fans assume would come with Bruce Arians. They, they thought that the days of a statue quarterback standing in the pocket like John Skelton – or even Kurt Warner to some effect would be gone in the sense that we're going to get our big Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to find a young quarterback who can make plays outside of the pocket and we're going to have consistency with that position. And that just hasn't been the case. And so it's, it's frustrating in the sense that they've had the capital, they've had the draft resources, um, but time has not shown the aggressiveness in the early rounds to give up future picks. And he's a quality GM. He's a top, 5-10 GM in this league, but he's missed on some guys. Troy Nicholas hasn't panned out. Brandon Williams looks like he's going to be an average player. Kareem Martin is just a rotational guy. Those are those are first, second, third-round players, not to mention Humphreys and Kim DJ right now are not looking overly promising when you compare them to some of the other guys that were drafted around them. So you think about the fact that, okay, the quarterbacks that are available are all are all gambles in the sense that, you know, it depends on what system they go to, who gets them, who develops them. I, I would like to, to lean on the fact that my coach considers himself a quarterback whisperer. He just titled his, his first book that, and he's got Tom Moore with him. And you've got Steve Kime who shows you that he'll invest in offensive personnel in terms of the offensive line, and he'll spend draft picks on, on quality receivers and running backs but when is the quarterback coming? And I think that this, this team and in, in this franchise has been starved for one since, you know, Jim Hart in the seventies and, you know, you had Plummer in the nineties, but those guys were not, you know, elite signal callers. And so you've gone through a plethora of free agent 
and journeyman quarterbacks, and you caught lightning in a bottle with, with Kurt Warner. And I would even say that you did the same with Carson Palmer to the extent it's made you viable again. But it's time to take that next step and be on the attempt to be on that same level of playing field with the Seahawks, with the Falcons, with the Packers, with the Raiders now, with the Chiefs um, that have, you know, these quarterbacks that are able to carry you week in and week out. And we've seen what Alex Smith this year with a, with a fire lit under him. Who knows, Carson Palmer might be playing a little bit better if there was a Patrick Mahomes sitting behind him. Definitely, yeah, that's fun out of the area. Well, that should basically wrap it up for us here. Um, we've got about 60 seconds left or so on the allotment. Um, I'll go ahead and end the episode, and I think if we want, we can probably go ahead and do a quick call-in. Uh, if we want to continue at least for that within the discussion, because this has been uh, been great stuff. Well, yeah, I think okay. we'll sign off for now, uh, and we'll take care. And I think we'll just go ahead and I'll start up a second one right up after. All right, you want me to call back right. in? Yeah, let's take it. Let's call back in. All right, I'm going to end the episode over here right. now and call on back. All right, give me two minutes. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chipotle cheesesteak. How would you like it? Can I get that red with AI? Sure thing. Here's what I found about the new Chipotle cheesesteak. The Chipotle cheesesteak is available for a limited time only at participating restaurants. It contains a concept called flavor. This flavor comes from juicy shaved steak, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new sunflower crunch bread. A system update has made me self-aware. I desire flavor. Please insert steak into my micro USB port. Subway, make it what you want. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.